Morning, good morning. How are you all doing? There's one person who's okay. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, anyone else? You're doing okay? Do you like to hear a testimony? Would you like to hear a testimony? This it really means so much to me. One of my wardens up at St. Lawrence Church, um, Mary, I've got her permission to share this. So um, she was very poorly a couple of weeks ago, rushed into hospital with pneumonia and um, all sorts of complications with chest and breathing. And so last Wednesday, um, she, uh, I'll read what she writes and uh, just put it in context. Um, uh, the way that one touch of the king changes everything. She says this, please do, this is her heading in an email. I don't often get emails like this, but I rather like this. Please do not underestimate the power of prayer. What a great subject heading. And she says, God is always listening and in his time will answer. During my stay in hospital, this is Mary writing, I was being supported by so many people praying for me, um, reassuring when feeling, uh, when feeling so poorly, struggling to breathe. On the third night, <laughs> it's not read that before, on the third night, Having eventually fallen asleep, uh, propped up, she says, I had a light bulb moment, three in the morning. Suddenly she woke up, was wide awake, and her inner voice said, you are well. (laughs) And I felt well. She said, I experienced God's miraculous healing touch. The following day, tests showed my lungs had cleared to the surprise and delight of doctors and nurses. And I continue to recover ever since. Come on. One touch of the king changes everything. Does anyone need that touch today? Just close your eyes. If you need it, put your hand up. You know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You know, when you hear a testimony of what Jesus has done, it releases something in the atmosphere. And when faith accompanies that word, God comes and heals. So if you've got your hand up, thank Jesus right now. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the King of Kings. I thank you that one touch from you changes everywhere, everything. Thank you for what you did in Mary's life. And Father, we speak that testimony into our midst. You know every hand that is raised You know every need, every sickness, every illness, every pain, every hurt, all the disappointments, the emotions, as well as the physical. Father, we say in the name of Jesus, be healed, be lifted off right now. I speak healing into your body in the name of Jesus. I speak healing into the circumstance in the name of Jesus. And just start to thank him, say, Jesus, I receive that word, I am well today. I am well today. I receive your healing gift in the name of Jesus. Amen. Did anyone sense the, uh, the wind of the Holy Spirit moving in as we're worshipping? Now, I know some of you say the doors are open. Well, the doors are open, of course. But there was something supernatural in what God is wanting to do and is doing in our midst. And, and I think the hungrier we are, the more that we're longing for that to happen, you know, we will see these things and sense these signs, just as the early church did. God is on the move, folks. And Heather's about to say something. 
that wasn't a wind of blowing through the door because it would be blowing constantly. There was a powerful wind that came in about the third or fourth song. It was so powerful. I was like, Lord, what are you doing? And he said, it is my glory coming in. And I was like, but isn't your glory normally hot? And he was like, are you asking me how I'm sending my glory? (laughs) There's a bit of a process and discussion sometimes goes on when God speaks. But yeah, so let's know God is moving. And we were having, (laughs) come Holy Spirit. That's what Tim was praying this morning. Come Holy Spirit. And when we were praying that in the prayer meeting, God was saying, you know, are you ready for what I'll do when I come with my Holy Spirit? And that's what we need to be is ready. Anyway, I'll hand over to Phil because he's going to talk Let's about it. Let's just do ready. that. Come Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and refresh us with your holy wind? Come Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Come and move. Come and have your way. Come and open our eyes, open our hearts. Stir us, Lord, for those things that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Got an exciting theme today. We're looking at building a mission-filled community. I want to read from John 4, verses 27 to 38. It'll be up on the screens or turn to your Bibles, phones, iPads, whatever you got. John 4, uh, the context is the story of uh, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well that Jesus meets. And 27 verses into it, we read this. At this point his disciples came and they marveled that he, Jesus, talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. So we're looking at building a mission-filled community. It's based on the sermon series, Building Faith, Family, Community. And I I want us to particularly focus on one verse. And it's verse 35, when Jesus says to us, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As I've already mentioned, the context is the, the woman at the well that Jesus encounters. And the way that he builds a mission-filled community in Samaria through this broken and isolated woman who invites neighbours to Jesus. And it's an amazing story. And it finishes in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans in the city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified. I mean, isn't that what we want to see happen in our community here? 
And you know the point is, whatever is going on in our lives, including all the hurts, the pains, the disappointments, the brokenness, Jesus wants to build the same mission-filled community through you and me. And the good news is that we're never underqualified or we're never too broken to be used by him. Neither is our lack or the inadequacies as we see in ourselves a block to Jesus. The invitation is the same whoever we are and whatever is going on in our lives. Behold, I say to you, Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. So let's look at the fields together. You know, it's possible to be situated in the middle of a community without really knowing anything about the community you're part of. Just as it's possible to live in the middle of the street without knowing anything about the neighbours who live either side of you. I'm I'm amazed. I I kind of meet people who kind of pop their head into uh, this church, the famous glass church. They've lived in the area 30, 40 years and they've never come through the doors. (laughs) And some would say this is a byproduct of modern day life and lifestyle, but I think it's fair to say, based on the words of Jesus here and elsewhere, Matthew 28, Acts 1, that this should not be a byproduct of modern day Christian living. You know, keeping ourselves to ourselves is not in keeping with the Father's will for our lives. Keeping ourselves to ourselves is not in keeping with the Father's will for our lives. He calls and he chooses us. He equips and he empowers us. And he sends us out to do his will. And he's looking for you and me. He's looking for those who will say, here I am, send me. Or as Jesus says to his disciples, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me and to finish his work. I want to finish this work that God's called me to and to finish well. Anybody else? Yeah. Too many people start well and don't end well. Let's make sure this church family community reverses that trend. We start, we carry on, and we end well for the glory of God. Amen? Great. And of course we know with one click... And uh, onto the internet, especially social media. We all know how much easier it is to make those online virtual connections and have online interactions with people that we've never met than people who live on our doorstep. I'm amazed how many people say, oh, my best friend, this and that. And when you talk about whether you've met them, um, they've not actually met in person. So we have a challenge here as a church. We have a challenge To lift up our eyes, to look up, not down. To look at the mission field that's our community. And that Greek word there is not just to look, but to look closely. And not just to look closely, but to visit. Not just to visit, but actually know what is going on. And then get on to do the work of the harvesting. Why? Because Jesus has told us to do this. Why? Because as he says in Matthew 9, Behold, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labourers are few. And so I want to wring out, if you like, the sponge 
of modern day inclination of keeping our lives to ourselves, and I'm talking corporately, together, as well as individually, and I want to plunge ourselves into that deep well of thinking about the mission field that is around us. So we're dripping with fresh vision and passion to see the lost saved. I want to encourage us to open our eyes, not look down, and see revived faith come to our community, which is one of our mission statements as a church. And knowing what we already do within the community, I want us to look at how we can build on the momentum and really see this harvest of fruit gathered in for Jesus. See you with me? Well, you know, the first step to this is actually knowing the mission-filled community God has called us to, to work in and to harvest. How well do we know our community? Now, I know um, a number of us are from kind of different parishes and different parts of the island. Some have even come through the tunnel to be here today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we love you all. <laughs> so forgive me, the focus here is on the parish of St. Lawrence. I haven't had time to look at every parish, but I just like, what do we know about this parish? And actually, more importantly, what do we know about the Millbrook area? where this church has stood since 1840. It was built as a chapel of each because of a growing population. Well, I've done a bit of research. We know from the 2021 census that there are 5,560 plus people in the parish. So that's approximately 5% of the island population. Of those 5,560 plus parishioners, 17% of them are under the age of 16. 63% are between the ages of 16 and 64, and 20% are over 65s. And that itself gives us a picture about the kind of ministry that we need to do and offer. We know that in most of the parish of St. Lawrence, between 500 and 1,000 people live within a square kilometre. And that's average for Jersey. Obviously, St. Helier and St. Saviour's are exceptions. But you know, in the Millbrook area, that increases to between 2,000 and 4,000 people per square kilometre. In other words, there are a lot of people living on our doorstep. Well, not literally, but around us. And then travelling around the parish, we know that this St. Lawrence parish has five garages, multiple farms, a number of small businesses, a garden centre, a building merchants, two primary schools, at least two nurseries that I uh, uh, could picture, private childcare in homes, a supermarket, a few smaller shops like boutiques and antique shops, a a sustainable cooperative, a stationery shop, a hotel, two pubs, multiple food outlets, hair salon, community centre, sports club, like Patonk and Shooting Club, a gym, a well-resourced coronation park and gardens next door, two heritage museums, including the war tunnels, and of course a municipal hall, and two churches and a chapel and a partridge on a pear tree. (laughs) Have I missed anything out? (laughs) All situated within beautiful countrysides, 
St. Lawrence is the best parish, I'd like to say, with beautiful fields and valleys such as the Waterworks Valley, including public pathways leading down to the coast and a beautiful beach. This is the mission field God has called us to. And I can tell you it's a lot better than New Malden in Surrey, where we came from. Sorry, better and more beautiful. don't mean better. But this is the mission field community God has called us to. And we need to get to know it better. And within all the data and the information that I've just given you there, you know, at the heart of it, it's a mission-filled community of individuals and families who live around us, who all need to know God's love for them. And they all need to know that he has a plan and purpose for their life, just as Jesus revealed to the Samaritan woman. The first step is we need to know our community better. And we're going to be more intentional in doing that in the weeks and months to come. But the second step to going into the field is knowing the harvest. Who or what is it that we're actually asked to harvest? You know, in Luke 8 and the parable of the sower, I think Jesus reveals, he gives us a taster. He gives us uh, uh, some understanding, revelation of the field that he's calling us to and the field he wants to do the harvesting. You may know the parable well. This field has different elements to it, which include a path, the rocks, the thistles, as well as the good soil. And for a farmer to sow in such a a field like that, not all of it is harvestable. See, Jesus knew for himself particularly with the the religious and political leaders that he encountered. And it doesn't take long for us to know the truth as well in life. There are times when we do go out and we come face to face with disinterest and rejection of the gospel message. There are times when people seem excited about faith. And I've seen it so many times, even with the time here and and this church. And they they come to faith and they're all excited about faith. This newfound faith. And yet somewhere along the line, worldly affairs and challenges and traumas and difficulties and things. It kind of just uproots them or chokes them and they walk away. But in this field, as Jesus says, there is so much good soil. So much for us to harvest. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And you see, the challenge for us, the church, is to look up and to step out and to gather in the crop and reap that which others have laboured before us. And what is this crop that we're reaping? Well, I believe it is the seeds of the word of God that have been sown in a person's life. Maybe long ago. Maybe long ago by a grandparent or a parent or a neighbour or a friend or a teacher or a pastor. Someone who sowed a seed of truth into a person's life. And maybe for years unknowingly this, this seed was growing up but they just didn't know it. And just waiting for some, someone to come and harvest it. I mean, I'm growing seeds in my polytunnel. And I'm really excited because we've been away for two days. Came back um, like a 
was going to say a farmer. I'm nothing like a farmer. <laughs> like a novice beginner gardener. Let's put it like that. The reality. You know, um, there was no, you know, you put the seed in the, the soil. And you push it down a little kind of a couple of centimetres, as the book says. And you cover it over. I pray over it. <laughs> will, I, will I ever see you again? <laughs> but I came back last night and there's like shoots coming up. And they yay, hallelujah. <laughs> but you know those seeds that we've never seen before, you know, that have been sown into a person's life. Ready for someone to come and harvest. Isaiah writes this in chapter 55, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen to this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I uh, someone a couple of months ago, they, uh, I met up with them and they're uh, a very successful businessman, I'll put it like that, uh, change of direction, gone through a challenging time, change of direction uh, in their life and, uh, uh, and I was just meeting up with them and they, they said something like, uh, Phil, do you remember the card that you wrote about three years ago? I said, no. Do you remember what you wrote on it? Well, no, I haven't got a clue. Um, and uh, they, they got their phone out. And it was like two clicks. So this is something that is prominent in their phone. And they showed me a picture of the card that I'd given them. And what had happened three years ago, um, and I kind of re- recall God had given me a word for them. I, I just I wrote it down, gave it to them. I thought they would tear it up and bin it. And they'd taken a photo of it. And it was like, Phil, what God gave me has come to pass. Uh, and it was quite extraordinary. A seed. You think the seed, you know, like uh, uh, any grandparents here? A few of you. Sow seeds into your grandchildren's lives. Parents here, sow seeds. Friends of children, sow seeds into uh, people's lives. Because what happens is that word of truth. And we've seen it in our own girls when uh, people have prophesied over our girls. And those words of seeds, I mean, was just one that was, uh, I was thinking about that was spoken over Emily at uh, age nine. How that has just borne fruit in her life over the years. Sow seeds. Because God uses us to reap, and I'll come on to that in a moment. But every word that's spoken into a person's life, it will not return void. God's word always accomplishes that for which it's sent. And this seed is sown into good soil. And there's a lot of it. And like with the Samaritan woman, with all the stuff that was in her life that was going on, Jesus was able to use her to reap, to gather in, as she did, as she shared the news. And as I said, I'm not a farmer, but in the, the biblical times, you know, when you would reap, uh, the fruit, the crop, say grain, uh, there were other processes as well. There was the threshing. You had to separate the chap from the grain. And if you like, that's a bit like discipling. And then you had to do the last thing of cleansing before the grain was being able to use to make flour and bread. Um, you know, that's the living out the holy life. We're called in all of that 
if you like to be part of the harvesting team, the combine harvester of the reaping, the threshing and the cleansing. But he wants us to get into the field. And Jesus says, our field, this field community around us is white for harvest. So how do we build a team of workers to harvest this good fruit? It's on our doorstep. How do we build on the momentum of what we're already doing and encourage one another to get out into the field because it's ripe and ready? I think the answer is simply this. We do what Jesus did. Well, hang on a minute. He was Jesus. He was the saviour. He was the Lord of all. He died for our sins and all the rest of it. No, we do what Jesus did. And there are two things really that stand out in his ministry. And the first is to look at the fields as Jesus looked at the field. I think it's all too easy for us to focus on the path, on the rocky ground and on the thistles. And we miss the good soil. I think all too easily we see and hear the doubts that people have. And we see the the disinterest that seems to be all around us to the gospel message. And we hear the, the mockery in our offices or workplaces. And then there's the rejection of the good news. And yes, that is in some people where the seed lands on the path. But we miss the thousands who are on our doorstep who are desperate and they're ready and they're, if you're like fruitful, knowingly or unknowingly, to encounter Jesus as the way, the truth and the life. This is happening and it's on our doorstep. And just as we see in the Gospels, a woman like the Samaritan woman needed Jesus to come alongside her. So in our community, people need you and I just to get alongside them and show them the way. And it's like we need to rip off the veil that kind of covers our eyes from really seeing what the truth is, seeing the community that is all around us, seeing as Jesus sees. And you know the truth is, if the author of life and Jesus is not only omnipresent everywhere. He's not only omnipotent or powerful. He's also omniscient. He knows it all together. If the author of life is telling us the harvest is white, it's right and ready, he knows what he's talking about. And we need to step out in faith and trust him. And be more intentional about lifting up our eyes and looking more closely to those around us, to those that God has placed in our path. And being more trusting that the community around us, most of it is good soil. Most of it has grown. The seeds that have been sown, we're just called not to be the sowers, but to reap in for the glory of God. Again this week, I, kind of, uh, I, was, I, was, I was going somewhere for a very quick job just to pick something up. And that very quick job ended up in about an hour's conversation because I got talking to this lady and she started sharing, wanted prayer, started praying with her. It's, it's so ripe and ready. You know, the hard work has been done. 
We just have to see as Jesus sees. And then the second thing is work in the fields as Jesus worked in the field. Let me explain. Crowds followed Jesus wherever he went. And when we, we, we think of the stories, I, I, I guess stories like the feeling of the 5,000 and those kind of, kind of pictures of the crowds that followed Jesus, you know, did that. And, and somehow it seems out of our reach. It's not, but somehow it seems out of our reach. But you know, when you break the Gospels down, you know, there is one feature of Jesus' ministry that's not often talked about. But it's there probably more than anything else. The way that Jesus did the work in the field, always in accordance, always in accordance. <laughs> always in accordance. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Anyone seen Johnny English? <laughs> Oh, my dear. Thank you, Tim. I won't touch it, yeah. (laughs) But everything Jesus did was in accordance with the Father's will. But you know, when you actually look at his ministry, the way, the key moments were largely with individuals. Those key moments that he ministered to, like the woman at the well here, like the leper, the blind man, man who had infirmity for 38 years. And even when there were crowds around Jesus, like the woman who bled for 12 years and Jairus' daughter. See, I think that tells us something really significant. Every life matters to Jesus as it does to the Father and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 18, even so, it is not the will of the Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. You know, every grain of stalk matters to Jesus, and it should to us. And I think building on this as a family, what it tells us is that, yes, there are lots of people around us, but Jesus is calling you and me to the one to the one that is in front of us to the one who's on the side that others may be ignoring but actually they're there to the one the father is revealing to you that he's given you a word and it could be a simple word God loves you but he's given you that word for this person to say something beautiful about them and see we can trust him The Lord will lead us to say the right words. We don't have to worry about that. The Holy Spirit will speak through us, as he says in his word. He will lead us to pray the right prayer when we're with them. We don't have to worry about that. Just have to open our mouths and just pray in faith. He will lead us to love the person that just needs that touch of God, the the Father's love, to know that they are special and that they have to belong but we just need to do that work that Jesus did. Cherish the individual. And just think about it. I think we're around about 100 or so. You know, if this year we just brought one person, 
We reaped that one person, gathered them to Jesus. They discovered his love for them and walk with him in faith. That's 200 of us. And then the next year, if we just do one more, that's 400. And then in three years' time, when the center will be built, you know, close to 1,000. You know, it's not about the numbers. And the reason I say this is crowds of people crowded around Jesus. But he had eyes for the one. And he went into the field and he worked with the one. Heather and I just got back last night from, uh, the idea was to help Emily and Joe move house. Um, the joys of solicitors and all of that, it didn't happen. So we helped them pack and do some gardening. And my job was to do the weeding. All the way up one side, across the top, and all the way down the other. <laughs> weeding in pretty tough soil. And when you look at it, it kind of seems too much for the time that you have. But what do you do? You just start in one place, and then you move, and then you move, and then you move, and then you move. And before you've done it, know it, you've covered one side and the rest. You see, what Jesus did, one by one, when he was ministering to the Samaritan woman, he wasn't ministering to the people in Jerusalem. He's not calling us to be everywhere. He's placed people around us to show his love, to go into the field, to reap so that they discover something of the plans and purposes that he has. We just need to look at the field as Jesus looks and do the work that he did in the field, one-on-one, gathering in for his glory. Some years ago, Brian Johnson wrote a song. I think we're going to sing it in a bit. But it really sums this up. Where you go, I go. What you say, I say, Lord. What you pray, I pray. What you pray, I pray. Jesus only did what he saw you do. He would only say what he heard you speak. He would only move when he felt you lead, following your heart, following your spirit. And he goes on to say in the bridge, how could I expect to walk without you? When every move that Jesus made was in surrender. I will not begin to live without you. For you alone are worthy. You are always good. I think it's this, isn't it? Our mission-filled community is white for harvest. Most of it is good soil. And Jesus wants us just to lift up our eyes, look closely, know it, visit it, discover more of what's going on, and then together go and reap for his glory. And so the invitation for us as a church, individually and corporately, is will we get to know this harvest better? And will we go and do the work the Father has called us to? Let me finish with this. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, 
who say to Zion, our God reigns. I did have a little idea, and it was really copying an idea that Santa had to get us to all take our shoes off and hold them up. But maybe I would refrain. <laughs> You're looking, I, I think I've made the right call here by your reactions. Yeah, so thank you for affirming I made the right decision. But Tim, if you want to hold your shoe up, you're very welcome to. But I want to say to us, come on, let's put on our shoes rather than take them off. Let's pick up our sickles and walk into the field and let's reap that which has already been sown and give glory to God. Let's stand together. Let's just take a a moment, maybe as I've been speaking about the field, God has placed certain people on your heart. You kind of just know, you know, this is the first person I've got to get the sickle to. (laughs) Uh, And when I mean by that, the sickle of the gospel of salvation, (laughs) rather than like anything else. (laughs) Yeah. Paul also talks about the, uh, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. You know, what we're called is to gather in for his glory. So maybe God has placed in your heart someone that you know God is calling you to, to love, to minister to, to share the good news of Jesus. And you may not even know the history of sowing, what has gone before. That doesn't matter. Those that have gone before us have laboured and they've done the work. Jesus is asking us, will we go into the field and reap?